You are listening to a message from Foothills Church in Miraville, Tennessee. More information about Foothills Church can be found online at foothillschurch.com. Well, good morning. It's good to see you guys here today. If you've got your Bibles, let's go to the Gospel of Mark. We're going to look at chapter 1, beginning in verse 16. If you missed last week, let me catch you up really quickly. We started a new sermon series called Multiply. We had been in the book of Habakkuk and we were walking through, like, how do we process the suffering and pain in our life? How do we, how do we deal with that when it feels like God is, is not answering or he is there? And so if you missed that, I encourage you to go online and, and uh, watch that series. I found it uh, to be really helpful for me personally. Uh, and then I started to really kind of think, how do we, what do we transition into next? And for me, I really found like in my personal life, like any trial or difficult season of my life, I, I get to the point to where I'm like, okay, God is in control. God has a plan. And you hear that all the time, and you've said that yourself probably, but, but do we really live our life in light of that plan? Because if we do, then what we understand is that the, 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 the challenges and sufferings in our life all have a plan and all have a purpose that all connect us to the mission of God. So God does have a plan and a mission for every single one of us here today. And so the, the goal for us is to engage that mission, to engage that plan with him. And so we started with this series entitled Multiply to get our focus and our attention off of some of our pain, off of some of those questions that we would engage in the mission that God would pull us through uh, that, that, those seasons in our life. And so last week I started by asking the question, okay, when can we stop? Like as a church, when can we say, okay, enough is enough. Enough people are here. Let's just chill out on Sunday. Like, okay, 100 more people, awesome, cool, we'll, we'll, we'll baptize them, I'm glad they found Jesus, but that's it, that's all we can take, or is it 1,000, or is it 10,000? At what point do we say, enough is enough, let's stop giving, there's too much sacrifice here, we're, we're, I'm tired of serving, I'm, I'm tired of all the change, because as we grow, we've got to change, and when, when, when is enough enough? And of course, that is the wrong question to ask. The right question is, God, where are you leading us now? Because sin is real, hell is real, people are hurting, and Jesus is the answer. You and I have that answer, and so we can never stop. We won't stop until Jesus returns or calls us home. The scripture tells us that Jesus says to go and make disciples. You hear us say that over and over and over again, because the kingdom of God is always growing. God will always continue to save. He will always continue to restore and grow his people. He will continue to build the kingdom of God. And so he invites you and I to grow and to go with him and to be a part of that plan. Today, I want us to, again, begin to dive into this concept and really get to the why behind we need to do that. Why do we need to multiply? I told you last week that I've got two main goals for this series, and the first goal is that 100% of us, every single person involved, will consider and take their next step of faith with the Lord. Whatever that step is, maybe that step is, okay, I need to start leading, or I need to start serving, or I need to start giving, or I need to go to base camp or camp two, whatever that next step is for you, that 100% of us would consider it, ask God, what it is, and then actually take that step. And then second goal would be that 100% of us would give our first and our best toward the vision offering on December 16th, because we really conclude this series on December 16th with a one-time gift that we call the vision offering every single year. It fuels the vision behind what we're trying to accomplish and and how we're trying to make disciples here. And so one-time gift, and then we're also asking you to make a commitment to give in 2019 over and above what you typically give and let us know what that commitment is. So it's a one-time gift and an ongoing commitment for 2019. And so those are the goals. And today I want us to really wrestle with why. Why would we consider this? Why do we need to actually do this? And uh, today starts a seven-day 
week of prayer that I want to challenge you and encourage you to be a part of with me and our staff. Every single day, we're going to text a, a, a scripture for you to read and a prayer for you to pray. If you don't have our FC app, download the app. There'll be notifications there as well as some links to help you do that. But we want to invite everyone to begin right here, right now, this week, a week of prayer, asking how God would take us further and multiply individually and, and, and as a church. I'm also going to be sharing personally on my personal Instagram account to, to really dive into some of the specific things that I'm going to talk about today to help answer more questions and invite you to be a part of that. If you don't follow me, I encourage you to do that as well. And so let's turn to Mark chapter 1. Let's look at verse 16. And in this passage, we're going to see where Jesus calls the first disciples. And the statement that he makes here is so revolutionary and, and, and it's so insightful that it really is the why behind everything that we're going to do here as a church and really as a Christian in general. It says this in verse 16, passing along the Sea of Galilee, he saw Simon and Andrew, the brother of Simon, casting a net into the sea for they were fishermen. Verse 17, and Jesus said to them, follow me. And I will make you become fishers of men. And immediately they left their nets and they followed him. And going on a little farther, he saw James, the son of Zebedee, and John, his brother, who were in their boat mending the nets. And immediately he called them and they left their father Zebedee in the boat with the hired servants and they followed him. Now, in this passage, Jesus is calling his first disciples to come and to follow him. And if you were to stop right there and you were to say, okay, come follow me and I will fill in the blank, I, I, would, I would think that he would say, follow me and I'm going to make you a better person. Follow me and I'm going to you know, make you a better student. Follow me and I'm going to give you your best life. Follow me and, and, and I'm going to make you wealthy. I'm going to make you rich. Those are the things that you might expect him to say, but he doesn't say that. He says, follow me and I will make you a fisher of men. And when Jesus tells the disciples to follow them, he is telling them that he is going to make them a fisher of men. And I'm sure that really kind of, you know, went over their heads. They didn't quite understand what that meant. It probably was a little weird, maybe made them feel a little uncomfortable because what in the world does that even mean? But Jesus tells the first disciples, when you follow me, I'm going to make you a fisherman. And he is inviting us with that same agenda. When we follow him, he will make us a fisher of men. Now, some of you maybe grew up thinking that Christianity had a, you know, a couple of different brands to it. Like there's one brand of Christianity that says they are Christians and they, you know, attend church a couple of times a year, but they don't really follow Jesus, but they say they're going to go to heaven. And that's kind of one brand. And then there's like this other brand of Christianity to you. It's like, okay, yeah, those people actually follow Jesus and they're going to heaven. And so those are like the all-in type people. But I'm not like the brand of all-in type people. I'm more of the brand of, of just kind of chill and, and just kind of, you know, I have faith, but like I don't really do anything apart from from, from like saying I have faith. And so reality is when you study the scripture, there, there are no two different brands of Christianity. There is, there's, there's, there's one. And when he says, when you follow me, he's saying this is the path of what it looks like to be a disciple of Jesus Christ. When you follow me, I'm going to make you a fisher of men. And so these guys follow Jesus, and I'm sure it made them feel uncomfortable to leave their life and to follow him. I don't know about you, but when I first came to know Christ, I didn't really have any interest in making disciples. I didn't have any interest in becoming a fisher of men. But Jesus says, when you follow me, I will make you a fisher of men. So let's break this down, because this one verse is huge. The first thing he says is, follow me. So if you are a disciple of Jesus Christ, if you're a Christian, he says, I want you to follow me. So for some of you, like this is going to like be revolutionary for you because following Jesus means that you are following what he teaches. You are following his lifestyle. You are following his behavior. You are following him in attitude. When you have become a Christian, you have decided to follow Jesus, like you, your life is following and mimicking his life. Have you done that? Are you following him? The second thing he says is, when you follow me, I will make you. In other words, his goal is to change us. 
He wants to develop you. He wants to equip you. And so the question then becomes, are you allowing the Lord Jesus to actually change you? Is that your goal? God, change my heart, change my will to match your will, change my plans to follow your plans, change who I am to match who you want me to be. This is when we are saying, God, change my heart, my attitude, who I am, and make me more like you. Are you, are you in that position? And then thirdly, when we are following him, he's going to make us into what? A fisher of men. So what he means by that is that we would be engaged and, and passionate about his mission. The mission of sharing the gospel with others who don't know it to help them experience the life-transforming power of Jesus Christ. And so are you engaged in the mission? Because the disciple of Jesus is one who is following him, being changed by him, is committed to this mission. And at the beginning of this relationship, we don't understand all that. Like when the disciples leave in verse 18, they know Jesus for like five minutes and they leave their, their father in the boat, you know, poor Zebedee, you know, A, his name is Zebedee, you know, he's got to deal with that his whole life. And now secondly, an average day and my son's up and leave me with the family business, right? I mean, how, how can they just get up and leave him like this? They didn't get it fully, what he was talking about, but they do. And and I think a good question for some of us is like, we, we haven't actually done that. We want heaven. We want all of that, all, all the good blessings of God. But for some of you, you haven't been willing to leave your old life. It's like, yeah, I want all that, but, but I'm still diving into my old life. I'm still, you know, fishing in the boat with dad. I'm still running the old business or I'm still doing the old deal. And Christ is calling you to leave the old life and embrace this new life and and for some of us, we're kind of struggling with that today. I, I don't think these guys had a clue what it meant to be a fisher of men. But a few chapters later, Jesus makes them. He changes them. He equips them. He develops them into these guys who take this message that the kingdom of God is now at hand and who Jesus is. And literally thousands of people begin to receive Christ as their Lord and Savior. And the church is established and grows and literally transforms the world with these few men. They began to share it with their sphere of influence. God used these men to share a message to a generation, a generation of people who didn't understand that it wasn't enough to just follow a man. To follow him is to fish for him because followers fish. That's what it means if you are a disciple of Jesus. As a follower of Jesus, you fish for Jesus. And Jesus accomplished this over and over again, changing various people's lives. There was a blind man. He changed his life and made him a fisher of men. And then there was a prostitute that he, he confronted, and, and she began to follow him and made her a fisher of men. And over and over and over again, a demon-possessed man, all of these people, Jesus begins to establish this relationship with. They leave their life, and they give their life to Christ, and he changes their life time and time again. Jesus makes fishers of men. So there was a, a time um, when Jesus is teaching and, you know, the disciples, they, they don't always get it. They, they mess up all the time. They're not perfect and, and we're not perfect either. And there was a time where Jesus is teaching and all these kids start showing up around and the disciples are like, hey, get the kids out of here. Get the kids out. Jesus is trying to teach. He's trying to teach. Get, get them out. Get them out. And Jesus goes, hey, I was about to teach a lesson about faith and I was about to use the kids as an illustration. And the disciples are like, get the kids in here, get the kids in here, get the kids in here. And it's just like this, you know, constant journey, this, this, this tug and pull of, of what it really means to, to, to honor him and to live for him. And it's the same for us. Like some days you're getting it and some days you're, you're not getting it, right? And, and so that's why we gather as the church to, to, through relationships, continue to establish this making, this development, this equipping. This is where it happens, here, through the ministries of the church. These guys struggle all the time, but thousands of people came to faith and became fishers of men. And I believe the same can happen today. Because Jesus' goal is not just that you would attend church. It's not that you would be a more holy person. Jesus' goal is that you would become a fisher of men. And I think what helps us get to that point is that we remember that Jesus wants us to do in others what someone else did for us. 
Jesus wants you to do for others what someone else did for you. I mean, think about it. You didn't come to Christ on your own. You were raised a family and you had a parent or you had an uncle that led you to Christ, that brought you to church. You had a friend that invited you to Foothills Church where you heard the gospel. You had you know, a family member or a friend do that for you. And, and in fact, when you went to church, someone uh, that came before you paid for that building. And they paid for the bills so that you could go to that church. And they, they, they donated so that the church could have staff members to equip you and to love on you. And, and there was someone that got there earlier than everybody else that set up the chairs and that prepared the lesson. And, and there was somebody that watched your kids while you were doing that. And like you didn't come to know Jesus all by yourself. There were many people involved. And Jesus says, I want you to become a fisherman and do for others what others have done for you. And this is what it looks like for us to be made and to, to be developed so that we could begin to understand what multiplication actually looks like. So why do we multiply? A couple of points here. We multiply, number one, because Jesus says, if you follow me, you'll fish for me. If you follow me, you'll fish for me. And so we understand that to mean, okay, we're sharing the gospel and more people are coming to faith. And so, so it's about multiplication it's about uh, helping people receive this truth. And, and when we got saved, we didn't know what we were signing up for. In fact, when I put my faith in, in, in Christ, I came to Christ for very selfish reasons. Just admit that to you. Maybe you're the same way. You would admit that. Like I knew that I had sin in my life. I knew that there was a problem. I believed that Jesus was the answer to that problem. And I didn't want to go to hell. I wanted heaven. And so I came to faith in Christ largely in part for selfish reasons. I had no intentions at that point in walking out saying, I'm going to go be a fisher of men. Now, maybe that's your story. It wasn't my story as a teenager. Um, but here's the deal. At some point in your life, as you are being made and developed and you are maturing in your faith, you're realizing that life is not about you. You're realizing that there is more to following Jesus than just going to heaven, I hope. You're realizing that it's not just about attending church every now and then. It's, it's, it's this idea of what you thought church was where somebody makes you feel guilty all day and then, you know, there's a bunch of hypocrites and they do whatever. Like, that's not what the scripture shows us and, and provides for us. And sometimes we've, we've twisted that. But, but what we're seeing is as we are growing, we're changing our plans, we're changing our attitude, we're changing our desires. Instead of building my kingdom, I'm focused and longing to build the kingdom of God. So they followed Jesus because of what they saw him do and what they thought he could do for them. And so what, what now? Okay, we follow Jesus. We're going to be a fisher of men. That's his goal. That's his intention. Now let's turn our attention to Romans chapter 10 for a second. If you have your Bibles, flip there. It'll be on the screens if you don't. In Romans chapter 10, Paul is writing uh, to the church in Rome. And he makes a, a very important statement that we all need to, to hear today. Some of you may have, have never read this or maybe you've never um, thought about this. But in verse 9 of chapter 10, Paul says, If you declare with your mouth that Jesus is Lord and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be what? Saved. So let's break it down. Declare it with your mouth. So you've got to actually say it. You, you want to declare it with your mouth, not just make some inward thoughts. You, you declare it with your mouth that Jesus is Lord. What does it mean that Jesus is Lord? Well, when you make Jesus the Lord of your life, you are giving him authority of your life. You are saying, okay, I'm not living for me any longer. I am living for you, Jesus. And now my role and my goal is now to live my life, to worship you and to honor you. He's in control. And so I'm making decisions not just on what I want, but I'm making decisions because the Lord of my life is going to lead me and direct me to this job, to this you know, woman to marry, to have this family, to live here, to go here, to live life, essentially. He's the Lord of it. And so I'm giving him control of that. And so I've humbled myself and I've submitted myself to his leadership based on his word and based on the direction of the Spirit of God. And so he says, declare it with your mouth that Jesus is Lord and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead. And so believing in your heart essentially means that I'm putting my faith in the death, burial, and resurrection. I'm, I'm putting my faith in that, that that is the price that needed to be paid, that my sins can be forgiven, and that I can have eternal salvation, heaven as my home. That's what believing in my heart means. It's, it's putting my faith in the death, burial, and resurrection as a way for me to have a relationship with God in heaven. And so have you done that? Have you put your faith, believed in your heart, put your faith 
and trust in Jesus. If you do that, he says you'll be saved. Now, hop down a few verses in verse 14. He says, but, a few good questions here, but how can they call on him to save them unless they believe in him? Good question. They can't, they, they, they can't like call on him unless they believe in him. And how can they believe in him if they've never heard about him? Okay, so they can't come to that, that understanding without hearing about the gospel. And how can they hear about him unless someone tells them? Okay, so somebody's got to go tell them. Makes sense. We're tracking here. Verse 15. And how will anyone go and tell them without being sent? So let's think about it. They can't follow Jesus. They can't declare it with their mouth unless someone goes. And not just goes, but someone tells. And not just tells, but they are actually being sent to go and do that. And so, if you're taking notes, the, the second reason why we multiply is, is because the need is great. The need to share the gospel is great. Because if they don't hear, they will not be able to come to saving faith. And if they do not hear, then they cannot declare that the Lord Jesus is the Lord of their life and be saved. So, therefore, we need people that will go and tell. We need people who understand that they are sent. And so Jesus saves us, and he is, he is sending us. Sending us where? I'm not just talking about, you know, to a third world country on the other side of the world. I'm talking about you wake up tomorrow, and it's not, ah, oh, man, I got to go to work. I got to go to school. No, 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 no. We don't, we're not just living in that world. What we're doing is we're saying, I'm, I'm, I'm going to go to work, and I'm being sent to work because I'm going to engage people that maybe I don't know, I'm going to engage people that I work with with the gospel. I'm going to be able to talk about my church. I am sent to them. I'm going to give them hope. I'm going to give them encouragement because I am a follower of Jesus. I am a, I, I am a fisher of men, and so I'm going to work with that mentality. I'm going to school tomorrow, not just to go and be bored in class. I go to school tomorrow, yes, to do, be bored and go you know, to, to class, but I'm also, while I'm there, I'm building relationships with the friends around me, and I'm inviting them to church, and I'm talking about my small group, and I'm talking about what Pastor Trent talked about on Sunday morning, and, and that's who I am. It's not here's my church life, and then here's my real life. It's here's my life. I am sent, and this is who I am, and this is the Lord of my life, and here's what I am about. So yes, you're sent. Your kids play sports, and, and these kids that are on the team, their parents, you are being sent to be able to impact and be a key component into the hearing and sharing of the gospel. The need is great. Now, turn over to Acts 17. Verse 24 of Acts gives us some more insight about what we're supposed to do as far as multiplication. Jesus says, if you follow me, you're going to fish. The need is great. We got to go. We got to be sent. We got to share. And then in verse 24, it says, The God who made the world and everything in it is the Lord of heaven and earth and does not live in temples built by human hands. And he is not served by human hands as if he needed anything. Let's pause for a second. God does not need you to be here today. <laughs> He's not depending on you for anything. He doesn't need you to give to build his kingdom. He doesn't need you to serve in order to build his kingdom. He doesn't need me and my resources or my talents to do anything that he wants to do in this world. In fact, what's the next verse say? Rather, he himself gives everyone life and breath and everything else. You see, one of the greatest principles you can live your life by, one of the most life-transforming principles is what this verse teaches us, and that is that God owns everything he owns everything and he gives everything. Now, a lot of times we think that what we, you know, what we own, our business, our, our money, our 401k, our stocks, whatever it is we're investing in, like these are things that I have done. And so, man, I'm awesome. Look at what I've done. And it's like, man, God could take that in a second. And, and like the only way that I have anything is because he gave it to me. And he owns it all, and he gave it all to me, and so my stewardship of what he's given to me becomes paramount. I want to use what he's given to me to honor and bless him since he's the Lord of my life. He doesn't need this, but he is inviting us to be a part of this story. He's inviting us to engage him with a, a, a mission and a plan that is much bigger than any one person in this room. He goes on, verse 26, from one man he made all nations, that they should inhabit the whole earth. 
and he marked out their appointed times in history and the boundaries of their lands. And God did this so that they would seek him and perhaps reach out for him and find him, though he is not far from any one of us. For in him we live and move and have our being. Now, verse 26 says that God has sovereignly arranged the appointed time in history that you would live. So you live right here, right now in this life because God sovereignly said, this is the time span that you're going to live. He set that. And he also determined the boundaries of your land. In other words, here's where you're going to live. You know, and thank you, Jesus, for letting us live in East Tennessee because it's a beautiful place to live. And the scenery and the people, it's great. So, so thank you, Lord, for, for setting me in this time frame and for putting me in this area. Now, why did he do that? Why this time? Why this community? Well, if you're taking notes, thirdly, the reason why we multiply is that God puts us here to bless our community. He puts us here to bless our community. He puts you here in this year, in this time frame. Some of you moved from out of town and you moved to this area. Some of you grew up here. For whatever reasons, the reason why you're here ultimately is because God put you here to bless this community. Isn't that awesome? Because there are people all around us, verse 27, that perhaps are reaching out for him and they are seeking him. And God says, "Uh, I'm not far from any one of them. Number one, because I'm everywhere. But secondly, because I put Trent in that neighborhood. And his neighbors moved there for a new job, but they didn't come here for a new job. They came here to live next door to him so that he could share the gospel with them and they would experience the hope of Jesus Christ in their life. You didn't just get that job because it was the only job in town. You didn't just get that job because you're good at it. You got that job to be around those people and to be in that environment because God has a bigger plan and purpose for your life, and that is to make, become a fisher of men. You're not just in that school because it's a great school or that's the only place you got a scholarship to go or that's the only place you got to go play ball and so you decided to go there. No, you are there because God said, here's the time frame you're going to be there and these are the people in your life that I'm going to allow you to experience. And man, if you just trust me, if you just follow me, if you just give up that old life and you really begin to make me the Lord of your life, just watch how I'm going to use you to impact the lives around you. You're going to be blown away. It's about walking with him and trusting him and realizing that I am here to be a blessing to my community. Acts 1.8, remember this? Jesus says before he ascends into heaven after his resurrection, he says, but you will receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you and you will be my witnesses. Where? Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, and the ends of the world. What's he saying there? If you're taking notes, number four, we're we're instructed to expand the gospel into other communities. So we're here to bless our community, and we're commanded to expand our blessing to the communities that surround us. And so Jerusalem is where they live. That was hometown for them, right? So Maryville, Blount County, and then Samaria, Judea, and the uttermost parts of the earth. And so There's this idea in teaching in the scripture that we are to expand so that our blessing and and that this message of making disciples and of creating and developing mature followers of Christ expands into other areas. We are told to not only bless our community, but to bless and expand into surrounding territories. As we have grown in health, as we have grown in resources, as we grow in leadership, I'm not blessing you, or God's, God's saying I'm not blessing you to show off. I'm blessing you so that you would be able to expand and multiply and share that blessing with the other people that are around. David Platt, former uh, president of the International Mission Board, pastor in D.C., said every saved person this side of heaven owes the gospel to every unsaved person this side of hell. Every saved person this side of heaven owes the gospel to every unsaved person this side of hell. You see, we don't do this because people in our community, you know, like, like we owe it to them or like they deserve it or they've earned, they, they're nice to us or something. That's not the motivation. We owe it to Jesus. We owe it to him because he changed us. 
And now my life is under the lordship of his calling. So what's the why behind why we multiply? Jesus says, follow me, and you're going to fish. He says that the need is great. We got to go. We got to tell. We got to be sent. He says, God put you here to be a blessing to your community. And fourthly, we're instructed to expand that gospel into surrounding communities. So let's take the why, and now let me apply it to our church. So let me shift gears here, and let's get practical. What does that mean for Foothills Church? What does that mean for you being a part of Foothills Church, whether you're you know, just an attender or a partner, or maybe you've been coming for a while, or maybe you just started coming. This is the direction that I believe God is leading our church, specifically in the next two years. So if you've ever gone to the doctor to check your eyes out, you know that the perfect vision is 2020. And so we're all hoping for 2020 vision, but we don't all have it. But the, the, the reality is in two years, the year 2020 is here. And so we've been praying about this for a long time and feel like, okay, God has given us a clear vision for where we as a church need to be in the next two years. Here are the open doors that he is providing for us to walk through. And so by faith, this is what we believe God wants us to do. And so you know our vision statement is to develop mature disciples of Christ in relational environments. And so that's the heartbeat and the thrust of everything that we do. And so three major areas for the 2020 vision. First of all, starts with we want to multiply leaders. Multiply leaders. Our vision statement to develop mature disciples of Christ in relational environments. Our heart is that we don't just get converts. We want people to actually mature in their faith and grow and develop into a leader. And so that's what the entire journey process is about. You've heard us talk about this, but there are steps to the journey process, starting with base camp, that teaches what the vision of the church is and how you can be involved in that. The second is camp two. Camp two is to discover your purpose and mission in life. Like, who did God create you to be? And I find it it's surprising that people, you know, so many people have been Christians for so long and they have no idea why they're here. They don't know how God gifted them or what they're here to do. And so camp two helps you do that. Camp three helps you develop your potential as a leader. And so then we really begin to look at what it looks like to be a fisher of men. And then uh, this year, as you know, we started the School of Ministry, which has been a huge success and blessing. And, and uh, that really equips you once you reach that level to continue to dive into growth and maturity. What I love about it, I'm hearing stories like people are learning about leadership. It's affecting how they lead at church. But What's also cool is all the stories coming in and how their business is changing because these leadership principles are now being applied to work and in business and, and uh, it's blessing them in incredible ways. And so we want to multiply leaders. And so to, to, to multiply leaders, that leads us to what I think the result would be, which is my goal for 2020 is that we would baptize a thousand people. I believe over the next two years that God could do that and wants to do that through the ministries that you and I have here. And so what would it look like, like in 2020? We come to the conclusion of 2020, and it's like, yeah, I remember you saying a thousand people, but I had no idea it was going to be me. I had no idea you were going to save my wife. For some of you, that thousand people is going to be one of your kids, maybe one of your parents, one of those people in your family you've been praying for forever. You know that guy. You saw him at Thanksgiving, you're like, he's never going to get saved. He may be one of the thousand this year that, that God changes and, and impacts. See, I think we can do it. I, I think God wants to do it. I think we're, we're going to see that continue to happen as we focus on helping people mature in their faith. We're going to see leaders develop. Another goal that I have is that we would see a thousand people go through base camp. The reason why that's a huge goal for us is because that's step one. The more we can help people get into that first step, the more we can help people take you know, the, the continuing step. Sometimes that first step is the hardest. But then once you go to that first class and once God opens up your eyes to all these new realities, you're like hungry for more. Yeah, I want the next one. What's next? What's next? Right? And so we believe God can do that. God wants to do that by the year 2020. I talked about the school of ministry. And one of my goals for the school of ministry is that 100 people would go through that by the year 2020. So that, would, that, that means a lot of us taking that step to, to dive into leadership and ministry and, and what that looks like for you personally. So we want to multiply leaders. But secondly, we want to multiply campuses. 
So by the year 2020, our goal is to plant one campus of Foothills Church. And so uh, I want to speak to that for just a second. You know, the best way to make disciples is not just to like do a a week Bible study in some community. It's not to do a concert or some revival event. The best way to make disciples is to plant a healthy church. I mean, that's what the entire New Testament is about and teaches us. The book of Acts is all about planting churches. And so for us, we, we have always aspired to be a church that that plants campuses and, and that in, is involved in planting churches. And so that's been a heartbeat. But uh, this has been something we've always wanted to do. But we believe in the next two years, this is the, the step that we're actually going to do it. So what does a new campus actually mean? A new campus means, very simple, that we would be one church in two locations. That's all it means. It's not a different church. It's the same church. It's the same staff. It's the same pastor. It doesn't mean that I go anywhere. It doesn't mean that I'm leaving anything. It means that we are one church and we are in multiple campuses, having multiple services, meeting the needs of multiple people in different areas of our geographic region. So yes, we want to, as, as God has grown us and he has, he has developed our church, we believe we're moving in that direction to be able to become a blessing in other communities. Um, you may not know this, um, but there are hundreds of people that don't live in Maryville that attend our church. So at least over 100 people come from Knoxville. There are several that come from Sevierville, Greenback area. So there's, there's a lot of people coming in from a lot of different areas. And so this is another sign that we think that, okay, this is a, a season where God is leading us to, to do this. And so, you know, your first instinct might be, why do I care? Why do we care about this? I don't, I really just care about what's happening here. I don't really care about what's happening there. And again, we just kind of go back to what we just talked about. You know, to follow Jesus means that we're going to fish for him. The need is great. God put us here to bless our community. And we're also instructed to expand into other communities. And so that's the why. We got to keep going back to the why. It's not because we're trying to be bigger or better. We're trying to see more people come to know Jesus. And so, yeah, that's why we do it. So where would we do that? Well, first of all, no matter where we would go, would be a, a great area to go. Every area needs more healthy churches, period. So I'm in favor of planting healthy churches anywhere. But uh, obviously, when we see Greenback, Lenore City area, we see Sevierville, we see Knoxville, these areas around us, all these places would be great places to do that. But I feel like the first location for us would be in the Bearden area of Knoxville. There's several reasons why I believe that is, is the direction God is, is leading us to go. Um, we did a demographic study, uh, you know, that, that told us a lot about this area. First of all, it's a really fast-growing area projected to grow over the next 10 years. It's a very diverse area. Um, and so I, I, I love that concept and idea of having, um, you know, a lot of different ethnicities for us to connect to. Um, it's the, in that area, it's the, the largest group of of people in that area are millennials. So that's ages uh, 17 to 36. So very young demographic there. Uh, what's also really, really unique is that 34% of that area is unchurched or not engaged in a church. And so you're talking about upwards of 70, 75,000 people in a small area that are not connected to a church or going to a church. Um, you also look at the fact that there are no churches like us that are in that area. Um, and so I, I feel like that need is, is huge. Um, and, and so many, many more reasons why, but I think those are starters to, to name a few that we would, we would uh, attempt to begin to do that. And again, this is a 2020 vision, so we're talking um, in the next two years. And so I want to encourage you to, to, to not only pray about it, but if you're living in Knoxville, if you're interested in being a part of this ministry, our goal for 2020 is that 100 partners would go and, and, and get this thing going and start it and be there and be committed to go there for at least one year. And so we need to know who you are. We need to know who wants to help with that. And I want to encourage you today in the Multiply experience in the atrium to go to the campus station and tell them who you are. Give them your info so that we can know um, who you are. So we want to multiply our campuses. And then secondly, we want to multiply resources. Now, this is important because when we multiply resources, that's the fuel that allows the vision to actually happen. And so we, we talk about this because when we see a thousand people coming to base camp, that means that we need more staff members. I can't process a thousand people on my own. We need more people to help do that. 
thousand new people that get baptized and that connect to our church. We need, we need way more help uh, on our staff. But not only that, but you know, as we think about how we multiply our resources and, and, and how we fuel that vision, it really is both the management of growth here and our vision to multiply in other areas. And so we're, we're talking about managing this area and our growth here and in future areas. And so it's going to require us at the vision offering to really fuel this vision. So what we give to the vision offering and commit in 2019 depends on if we're able to accomplish this 2020 vision. Here, here are some specific things that we need. One of the things that we need as a church is, is um, something that really is preventing us from further uh, growth right now. Um, and so let me just, would you like to know what, let me put it this way. Would you like to know what is potentially going to keep the most people out of heaven in this community? I'm talking this community, Maryville, Alcoa, surrounding areas. What, what's the number one thing in this church that's going to prevent people from going to heaven right now? You know what the number one problem is, the number one issue that's going to stop people from going to heaven? Parking. Parking. Sounds trivial, doesn't it? Sounds trivial, but it's true. Our church, uh, the last month, we've been averaging about 1,800 people coming to our church. So that's 900 people per service. The national average for churches is that the ratio is two to one, two people to one uh, car. And so that means that we need 450 spots just to be able to have a church that's running 1,800 on this campus. Guess how many spots we actually have? 380. You say, well, how do we even reach 1,800? Well, there's been about 30 to 40 people who are parking behind our property at the company next door, and they're walking on the path that we made. And so that's allowed us. And then about 20 or 30 of you guys park in the grass as well, and so that opens up um, space as well. But the, the, the problem is that the cap right now is 900 people in each service. That's the cap. Because, you know, once, once there's no space, there's no space. And, and uh, we have to open up space. Everything that we've ever done here at FC, when we've opened up space, God fills it. I mean, this room is evidence of that. God is filling it. If people come, you know, to our campus and they can't find a parking spot, they're, they're not going to stay. If it's hard to find a spot, they're not going to stay. You might say, well, they shouldn't be like that. Well, they're not Christians. <laughs> And so they're going to think like a non-Christian. If, it's, if there's not a good parking spot, a lot of people just aren't going to come back. We've got to provide space for new people. And it's going to prevent us from growth. And so we need to open up spots. Now, you're going to go out in the parking lot, and you're going to see spots. And you're going to be like, oh, look, there's spots there, and there's spots there. Well, we need all these spots. What's he talking about? <laughs> I know. I know what you're going to do. Here's the reality, though. We don't need 20 spots. I need 200 spots. I need 200 spots open on this site ASAP because we want to tell God, God, we're ready for him. If we're not ready for him, he won't send him. And if we're not willing to make sacrifices and continue to, to do what God is, 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 is asking us to do here in this community, he's going to go somewhere else and, and, and use other people. I, I don't know about you. I just don't want to lose the blessing of helping people meet Jesus. And so I'm, I'm parking back there. We've been back there for a while. I want to ask you to do it. Now, if we get enough money at the vision offering, we're going to actually change that path to where we can drive a golf cart on it. So that you can park back there and then get a little ride, you know, to the door to make it a little bit easier. Um, and, and so that's part of the plan. Greg Wilson, our facilities director, he's got the plan. We're waiting on the vision offering to see if we're going to be able to accomplish it. And so that's, that's one of the, the real issues that we have that's going to stop people from continuing to experience the hope of the gospel here at this church. And so step one is to, to park back here. Redo the, the, the path. But the second thing and the ultimate thing, what really has to happen is we need to buy land next door so that we can create more parking spots. That's like long-term goal that we need to do. I want to see us do that by the year 2020. Now, that's also the land that we want to create a counseling center. Counseling centers are, are huge 
in uh, life today. So many people need counsel, and all of us need it, honestly. And that's one of the things that we want to grow in and we want to provide. And so that's part of our vision here as well. Long term, we need those three acres. That's not a cheap project. But we believe by faith God is going to provide uh, for that. So part of the money given to the vision offering is going to go towards that. Another area that is, is, is in need of addressing is our kids area. We got a lot of kids here. Um, I don't know what you guys are drinking, but there's a lot of kids in our church. I'm just kidding. It's a, it's a great problem to have. But, but because of the, the growth in the kids area, we've got to add some walls and move some kids around. And we need to do that in January. So again, part of the vision offering that we collect is going to fund that transition. Now, ultimately, that's a Band-Aid. Ultimately, uh, the master plan shows that when we walk into this space, that big, large, open space, uh, the first floor is preschool, and then the second floor that we need to create are small group rooms for, for student ministry and, and uh, classroom space for the, all the journey classes that we have, and, and not only that, but office space that we need as our staff continues to grow. And so that's long-term solution to kids' area, and, and so that's part of this vision as well. If we give towards that, then we can move in the direction to be able to accomplish the long-term solution for our kids' ministries. Another area that we're managing the growth is in our student ministry. And so tons of students come here on Wednesday night, if you didn't know that. And that is a great thing. Um, the local schools, Maryville, Alcoa, Blount County, all these schools, even Heritage, are, are, all these kids are coming on Wednesday. And it's a great, great, great thing. And so part of the issue when there's so many people is, okay, space, what are we going to do? And so one of the things that we're going to change this January to help is we're going to create two services on Wednesday night for our students so that uh, at 6.45, same time start, our middle school will start with their service. And while they're doing a service, the high schoolers are going to meet at 6.45 for their small group here on campus. And then after that first hour, they're going to swap. High schoolers are going to go to the uh, second service, and then the middle schoolers are going to go into small group. And we feel like that's going to be more age-appropriate teaching, but it's also going to help us accommodate the growth so that we continue to invite more teenagers, which is always a good thing. Um, when you're at this church. And so uh, managing the growth of our student ministry. I've talked about our staff needs. Our staff needs to grow uh, over the next two years to even uh, begin to entertain the idea of doing some of this stuff. And then finally, the other thing that we're a part of that we want to continue and, and increase is just our overall kingdom investment. So we're invested in the North American Mission Board of the Southern Baptist Convention, the International Mission Board of the Convention, the Baptist seminaries as well. So if you give to FC and if you give to the vision, uh, portions of those offerings go to plant churches all over North America and send missionaries all over the world and help lower the cost of tuition for people going to seminary. So if you go to seminary and you're a part of a Baptist church, automatically the tuition is cut in half. And the reason why they can do that is because churches like us are giving towards that end and helping lower that cost. And so we want to continue to see that kingdom investment that, 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 is, that is continuing to happen, happen through what we give. And on the same lines, another goal for 2020 for, for me is that we would send 20 of our students uh, overseas or somewhere in North America to give up their summer to go on a short-term assignment. And so if you're a high school senior or you're in college, instead of just going home and working at Starbucks for a few weeks, give your life to a short-term assignment in Africa, in London, in Washington, D.C., or go online to, to the North American Mission Board and pick a city that you want to go to, and I'll find you a church there, and, and we'll let you serve there for that summer, and we'll help you raise the money, and let's just see what God does in your life if you give Jesus a summer like that. And I want to see 20 of us, 20 students do that by the year 2020. And so uh, I want to encourage you to help us pray through that. So this is why we got to rally together. Like there's so much to do. There's so much for us to pray about. I, I can't do this. You can't do this apart from God stepping in and doing it on his own. This is going to take a lot of money. It's going to take a lot of hard work. It's going to take a lot of sacrifice. It's going to take a lot of work. And man, I'm ready for it. I'm all in, if you didn't know. I'm all in. And I want to ask you to be all in as well. I want to ask you to, to give, to serve, to be a part of something bigger than you ever imagined you would be a part of. 
and to be a part of a church that literally helps people meet Jesus on a regular basis. And so that's why we got to start with prayer. We start with prayer as a church for the next seven days. Join me in this prayer. We can't do it without the leadership and the guidance of the Holy Spirit. When I sit back and I look at all this and I'm like, man, property, parking, campus, that means a facility, that means more staff. We got to renovate over here. Whew. You start adding all that up and you're like, man, maybe we're asking God for too much. And every time I do that, God like punches me in the stomach and reminds me like, are you kidding me? The prayer ought to be, God, are we asking for too little? I mean, that's the danger. The danger is that we wouldn't expect anything from God. We wouldn't expect more from God. And we wouldn't attempt anything great for God. So that's the danger. God, have we asked for too little? I mean, is, is our vision too small here? And, and that's my prayer, God. I don't want to get in the way. I want to get out of your way. This is where I feel like we're going as a church. And I want to challenge you to go with me. In Matthew chapter 16, Jesus asked Peter, he said, Peter, who do you say that I am? And Peter said, you're the Christ. You're the son of the living God. And Jesus essentially said, you're right. The Spirit of God revealed that to you. He said, blessed are you, Peter, because I am going to build my church upon this rock and the gates of hell will not prevail against it. That's the promise that Jesus gives to us here. He's telling Peter, but essentially what he's saying is, Peter, I'm the rock and I'm going to build my church upon this rock. And the gates of hell are not going to stop my church from being built. That's the promise. That's the promise. And so we go and the gates of hell can't stop us. Walls, gates are to keep people out, right? So essentially Jesus is saying we're going to charge the gates of hell. We're going to defeat the enemy. We're going to defeat Satan. We're going to take the gospel to people that haven't heard. We're going to experience life transformation as we sacrificially give and serve and preach the word and unite together and do everything God has called us to do. God will build his church. Isn't that exciting? We can be a part of that. You can be a part of it. Stop living for you. It's so boring. It's so old. Like, it's, 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 it's just so draining. And no matter what I go through, what continues to pull me, lead me, is this mission that God has called me to be a part of and to help lead. And I believe he's calling every single one of you to do the same. So we're going to close today with a song entitled, The God of the Promise. He is promised he is going to come through. The question is, are we going to be faithful? So I want to pray. I want to invite you to worship with me today. Father, we thank you for your truth. We thank you for your love. We thank you for your promise. We can have hope. We know you're going to accomplish this. We know you're going to build the church. We know you're going to do it. And so, Lord, the gates of hell aren't going to stop us. We're, there's nothing that's going to stop us if, if we just follow and trust you, Lord. And so we want to pray, Lord, that every single one of us would take that next step, whatever it is. Every single one of us would, would trust you and learn to, to give our first and our best to you and stop living for the, the loves of the world and, and the desires of our flesh and start pursuing a deeper walk with you that would lead us to become a fisher of men. Lord, take our attention off of us and put it on you today. And we pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you for listening. More information about Foothills Church can be found online at foothillschurch.com.